Welcome to Deadhead Space. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Ghana, and all other major platforms, which includes Alexa. All you have to do is ask her to play Deadhead Space Podcast. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, and today we do not have my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. This is an older episode that I recorded by myself back in March. We talk with Patrick R. Young. He is a screenwriter and director. The audio back then is uh, slightly different. Uh, you will probably notice it from this intro. For that, I apologize. I was not as uh, experienced back then as I am now towards the end of 2020. Sit back and I hope you enjoy. <laughs> director and screenwriter of Bastard and his latest script for Greenlight starring Chase Williamson and Chris Browning. Uh, Patrick, how are you today? I'm, well, I'm good. I'm nice and comfy and isolated. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not isolated. I gotta, I'm essential, so I gotta work. We actually share a middle name. I am Patrick Robert as well. Oh, that's that's lovely. I'm actually I'm named after my grandparents, Patricia and Robert. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so it's a combination of the two. Mine is just named after my father. So pretty boring. <laughs> um, so I'd like to really talk about Greenlight. I love the movie. I got lucky enough to get a screener of it. And uh, I actually saw Chase Williamson and John, probably like most of us, uh, John dies at the end. I was a yes. huge fan of that. What was that something? Did you like that film? Oh yeah, no, I, I love that film. I've I've loved Chase in in many many things, from that to The Guest to, I mean, even his his work in in stuff at this level like like Siren and. and Have everything. you seen Arctic? I. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Arctic actually played. Uh, on the same day as Greenlight on, I think, literally four different film festivals. And I was never able to make it. <laughs> oh. It, it's, been out, uh, it's been out to rent for a while, and I, I'm excited to catch that as well. But a- anything Chase chases in, he, he pours his heart into. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, so just real quick, um, <laughs> sorry, we'll bring it back to Greenlight. Uh, Arctic, I watched that uh, probably... A couple months ago, and holy shit, like, I like Chase. He's a good actor, and I'm not trying to take away from any other role he's played, but this one, it just, he just went up every notch. Like, it was, it was intense. It was an intense move, and he, he pulled it off. Yeah, it, he has some deep wells to really dig into. I'm, I'm really, really excited to see, uh, as, as his career progresses, what he can do when he's on, you know, more comfortable and bigger sets too. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, I, I think that he's got a lot of, uh, 
I don't know if growing up growing is the right word, but he's definitely I think he's underappreciated. After I saw John dies at the end, I was like, who is this? He's he's acting. I, it's, I know it's not his first film he ever did, but he, he's acting with Paul Giamatti and uh, and the guy that's that's running the uh, what's his name? The, the director uh, wrote Phantasm, whatever it is. I, I forgot it. Damn, I should have wrote that down. He he just he blew me away. And then I uh, saw Don Coscarelli. That's it. Okay. And then I saw him on, on Greenlight and uh I, I gotta say he nailed that role. How did that feel for you as a screenwriter to get Chase as your main betrayal? I, I mean I was I mean I was fucking stoked. I mean he's I mean for this kind of level movie, uh, he's exactly what we needed. Chase really loves John dies at the end. And I think it is one of his better performances because he, he was given a lot of tools uh, to work with. Like you said, Paul Giamatti and uh, a really fantastic script and source material and director. And that was kind of one of the things we wanted to do for Greenlight is, is make sure that we surrounded Chase with as many things to help him as possible and making sure the script was uh, as top notch as it could be. And that, every supporting cast member we got uh, had that same level of talent. So could you walk me through it? Like, how did this whole thing start? Like, what what was the, when you knew, oh, I have a story here, what what was that moment like? Well, so the, the story, Genesis, is actually from our director, Graham Denman. Uh, he uh, initially had that first seed. Uh, in that first idea. Uh, and then one of the producers on the film uh, saw my first movie, Bastard. And I was like, I, I want to I try to give this kid a shot, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for. Uh, and I was actually hired onto the film before I'd even met Graham. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was hired to write his story before I'd even met him. Uh, I think we were at a, an after party uh, for Tales of Halloween uh, back, what is that, 2015, 2016? I'm not familiar with Tales of Halloween. Oh, it's a fantastic uh, anthology film all based around Halloween. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. Uh, I was in an after party uh, at Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I was in a group of people, and I started talking to this guy, and uh, got around to what projects we'd work on, and I said that I had written and co-directed Bastard. And he's like, "Wait, you're the Bastard guy? You're <laughs> writing, you're writing my movie." And that's how I met Graham. Um, and then from there on out, it was just a matter of finding a way to make the story both of ours. Uh, and certainly, I mean, as someone who worked at a movie theater after I've directed a movie and has, you know, spent three, four years hounding Craigslist for PA jobs. Uh, this was a, an idea that I could very, very much relate to. And the entire thrust of, of Greenlight was to give you a sense of what it feels like to make an indie movie, uh, just with a little bit more murder. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea is... Uh, everything that Chase goes through emotionally and relationship-wise in this movie would happen whether or not that producer had given him this one bad note, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, and that producer, Chris Browning, uh, he, I didn't realize that I have watched him in a few things before. And one of my favorite Denzel Washington movies is the book of Eli. And I'm like, yes. wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> if, if you have enough, uh, one of my, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's played a supporting man in a, in a lot of very good movies. I think one of my favorite performances, if you haven't caught it, uh, of his, uh, is a movie called Shot Caller. No, oh, what's that about? Uh, it's a it's a prison movie. It stars uh, oh, what's his name from Game of Thrones? Nikolaj Koster. Oh. Uh, Wadow. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know um, how to pronounce that either. I know who you're talking about. Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie Lannister, and he plays kind of a good guy who makes some shitty mistakes and gets sent to prison and slowly becomes a hard ass and druggy. And Chris Browning plays one of the prisoners in there who's very intimidating, and it's a very good performance. Um, but in he came on, Graham, our director, worked with him on another set uh, and honestly never thought he'd be able to get him on this sort of budget movie. Uh, and so was just kind of talking to him uh, on the side, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, you know beginning production or pre-production on on my newest movie and chris joked to him like all right so uh where's my part (laughs) (laughs) and uh, grab's like well you know there is this producer role and you know he really liked the script and that seemed to be enough for most people i I think that a lot of people just want to work with a good team on something that's not just you know shallow fun as much as I love shallow fun, <laughs> uh, it, it helps to get a good cast if you, you know, bring a, a level of relatability to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I thought that the relationship between Chase's character and Chris's character, besides Chase with Paul Giamatti, that was my favorite uh <laughs> actor he's ever i've watched like i don't know seven or eight of chase's films him and chris were i want to see them in something else man give me a buddy picture me too hey uh, (laughs) find someone with a budget and uh we're all go (laughs) they 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 worked they bounced off of each other too well it was it was mesmerizing to watch i i just (laughs) I watched this film in a dark room by myself, and that's how I like to watch movies like this. And <laughs> like, my wife's not big into horror, and I'm okay with that because I get to watch some horror films by myself and be more in into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was getting nervous for him. That was I'm not gonna spoil it, of course, because I want people to watch it. But it didn't end how I thought it would, and not only that. I was just close to having kind of a built up of anxiety from uh, <laughs> how it was shot. It was great. I like the effects in the uh, movie, w- the movie within the movie. Mm-hmm. That, there's this one, just to describe it to people who haven't seen it yet. It's just this one scene where it shows the film um, in this kind of dreamish world. And it's just uh, the visuals, the background it's meant to kind of be dreamlike with uh, weird shapes, black and white patterns, mm. and the lighting's all it, – it's funny, tinted, and it, it was it was perfect. And there are there are just different twists and turns in this. And uh, I'm not like 
I'm, I'm not like you in the sense where I'm an indie filmmaker. I wouldn't quote unquote say that, but I, I've done, I've done a few things in, uh, in the Massachusetts area for fun. Uh, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing anyone would know about. I just like did YouTube videos and other independent films with, uh, older filmmakers and, my experience wasn't like that, but it was pretty much like, all right, guerrilla style, let's let's shoot this fucking thing, and oh, it's getting dark. Who gives a shit? Let's try to, you know, you try to cheat as many things as you can, especially when you're re- renting that equipment. And I, I just, I could relate to his Chase's character. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I want to move on to uh, Bastard. Uh, we can get back to Greenlight too, of course, if you want. But I'm just because you've mentioned Bastard a few times. Um, could you go over the synopsis for anyone that has not watched that yet? Oh, for Bastard? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Bastard, <laughs> Bastard <laughs> is about uh, let's see, uh, two newlywed run, uh, two newlywed serial killers, a runaway brother and sister, and a gay drunk suicidal cop wind up at a bed and breakfast, uh, where people are being killed so it's a fun slasher is how i describe it yeah yeah it's a i mean you want to talk about just some mind-numbing fun yeah i mean we we wanted to just so pal pal and i pal robinson my co-director who also shot green light he's an amazing dp um you know we wanted to hit the ground running coming out of the school and we we shot this in 2015. Uh, it is a time when all of our friends weren't uh, were coming out of school as well, and we knew that in a year or two we couldn't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we just, you know, were able to throw together some money and run away to Big Bear and man, just work with some nasty practical effects and make a b slasher movie man we had a blast that is pretty cool that's uh so ever since i can remember i've always been obsessed with you know any slasher that except for like this i mean i was gonna say except for the corny ones but i mean some of those are good too uh when i remember specifically when i was 12 right in that time frame when you're like a teenager and is it my parents were like is it okay to get him r-rated films and my mom who also isn't into horror would just sit and cause it was a time for her and I to bond. She'd watch Freddy movies and Jason Voorhees movies. And I love it. Yeah. What are your early influences? Uh, so I mean, my, my mother, likewise, my mother, uh, we grew up with a jaws poster over our fireplace and nice. uh, you know, jaws, aliens, Amityville, the omen, poltergeist, like all those uh, classic staples she just inundated me with and then uh i r- really kicked off uh it was one day my grand i was i was at my grandparents house and my grandmother uh put down a book and she said she couldn't continue and i was like well, well what book is this like what why can't you continue she's like it's too scary there's these moving shrubs and it's i just can't i can't take it anymore uh and I was like, well, what is this? Moving shrubs? It can't be that scary. And she said, you know what? You can have this. Read it. Let me know what you think. And she handed me a copy of Stephen King's The Shining. <laughs> and that was third grade. And uh, haven't really looked back since then. 
do you uh, still do you read a lot? As much as I can, yeah. So what do you typically enjoy? Uh, I mean, it's it's still mostly in the the horror and, and thriller uh, subgenre right now. Uh, I recently I've been uh, I finished reading whatever Paul Tremblay has out there. No kidding. Uh, he's, I mean, he's just too fucking good. I uh, Pal and I have actually we've been working on trying to get a an adaptation of one of his shorts out there. Recently finished reading Stephen King's The Outsider, which I loved and uh, been making my way through uh, the HBO series as I can. Mm. Uh, finished recently uh, John Langan's The Fisherman. Yeah. You heard that yeah, one? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, a wild tale, man. <laughs> Starts as one thing and completely goes the opposite direction. I haven't read it yet, but I mean, I you and I haven't talked about this yet. Um, because when I talk to people that aren't authors, this so this podcast it's mainly it's mainly focusing on getting people familiar with people in the horror industry, but mainly like focusing more on the book industry. Um, awesome, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So that's what my review platform does. So that's what I'm doing with my podcast. And yeah, Paul Tremblay, I actually everyone loves that guy. He's super nice. Every time I've talked to him, he's friendly. I'm yep. from I'm from Massachusetts originally yeah, he's too. From, from your area, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he moved into a town called Stoughton um, when he was younger, and that's actually where I spend a lot of my time too, because one of my best friends lives there. And um, I just when I discovered him, I'm like, wait, there's someone this fucking big from like <laughs> right near me. This small little town, yeah. And Devil's Rock, like he he wrote that about a park that me and my friends used to go to. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, no yeah. And I've always loved horror, so I'm like, huh, there's something there's something happening here that I I really <laughs> like. Um, all right, so I could go on a tangent about Paul and, and that, but uh, I think we all could. Yeah, love you, Paul. So, Yeah. So I actually um, would like to jump ahead and focus mainly on you. Uh, You're you live in L.A. right now, but are you from there originally? I I'm from Southern California. I was born about an hour outside L.A. Um, I had never actually been to L.A. until I I came here for school. Uh, I went to USC, which is where I met uh, Pal Robinson, my co-director. But yeah, I'm I'm a SoCal baby. I've been here. I love to travel, but um, you know, I, I love the East Coast. My mom's from from Jersey, uh, and I have plenty of friends in New York. But you know, this is this is kind of where you got to be if you want to get the stuff I want to get done done. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so when I was in middle school, I remember very little. But the one thing that I do remember growing up. Uh, all I wanted to do was be a, a screenwriter and specifically a screenwriter of horror. And, um, cause my love for it. So that's the, the very first full quote unquote, like full th- story I've written, um, uh, that I remember writing was, uh, a slasher screenplay and I was 13. And, uh, that's why I love the fact that I get to talk to you and I hope to talk to other screenwriters. Um, Absolutely. It's an interesting beast to tackle because it's 
from what I've gathered, it's so much different than writing a novel. So uh, could, could you kind of break down the process of how you go about writing a screenplay just to, I don't know, give some of us an idea that really don't understand it? Because I, I know it's very different from writing a novel, and I'm very familiar with that world. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, the first five, six 50 years of your screenwriting process will be finding (laughs) (laughs) your specific process uh, in terms of uh, what works and and what doesn't work. And I mean, the goal uh, for screenwriting and, you know, writing a novel or really any job is to uh, find the the process that can work on any day. whether you're good mood, bad mood, uncreative, creative, find a way uh, that works for you uh, to treat this like a job. You know, uh, if you work at McDonald's, it doesn't matter if you're in a bad mood. You got to work at McDonald's. If you're That's a screenwriter, <laughs> if you if you're a screenwriter and uh, your episode of Rick and Morty is due next week, you got to write. You know. Hmm. Um, uh, for me, uh, I, I like to, as much as I can, stay handwritten for as long as possible. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it keeps me very uncritical of myself. Uh, I'll start off with, you know, just eight bullet points of what I know I want to see in this movie or what I have in, I, in my head and sort of expand and contract from there. And then... Once I hit um, the actual pages portion, I, I I just keep a stack of papers and write by hand for as long as I can. Because um, I know that if I make a mistake, it's okay. I'm going to have to type it up later. I can correct it then. Uh, it provides me forward mobility Uh on the paper Mm -hmm. Uh, i can use shortcuts and i can draw arrows going here and here and uh, i can just put out big exit x over things without having to copy and paste into another document and it it keeps things really free um it it allows me to follow uh follow the happy easier when you're writing by hand i can i can skip scenes easier and you know if i if i'm if I'm working in these first 10 pages and I hit a block, but I know that there's this really exciting scare sequence or action scene uh, around the halfway mark that I really want to get to, I'll, I can just go there. I can just jump over there and and write it up. Whatever keeps things moving forward. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to, to do that. Um, one of obviously, my... it doesn't work for everybody, and obviously, you know... Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so one of my uh, one of my author friends actually, I was stuck on writing a short story, and he's like, "Why don't you just start with the scene you know that you want to write, like the mm-hmm. exciting action pack scene?" I'm like, mm-hmm. "I must be a fucking moron, because I I always thought I got to write chronologically." <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. There's so many rules and thoughts that you know they they can be taking things super structured and uh, and beady uh, can be super helpful if you've never done this before or you just need to get something down on the page. But 
uh, once you're going, there, there's so many things you can just throw out the window. Uh, writing things chronologically is definitely one of the ones that can go out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a bad idea. Don't do that if you are a new writer. It's probably never a great idea if you get stuck over and over again, which I did. Mm. <laughs> um so going back to your writing because process the, because the goal is mostly just just to write because i mean one of the things you got to realize is your first i mean and in every every completed script every time you press the end is an accomplishment it's something to celebrate yeah. you just have to realize most likely your first five to ten are gonna suck <laughs> <laughs> you have to embrace the failure and let yourself um just be bad i mean it's 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 screenwriting is is like any other skill you know if if you picked up a basketball for the first time you're not going to expect to make your first 50 shots yeah and and when it comes to screenwriting yeah it's 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 the same thing and it i know it feels like you know a a wasted effort to write a hundred page script that's never going to be seen or read but it's not it's it's practice and it could very well become the seed for something that's successful later once you have all the tools that you need to be successful. That's a really good point. Um, have you ever done that with a, the only two that we've talked about, I guess, so far, with Greenlight or Bastard? Have you used pieces from previous unused uh, scripts into either uh, one of those? Bastard is actually, I mean, if, if it to anybody ever feels disjointed at all, it's because <laughs> it's because the characters uh, in the movie literally came from three separate ideas that we had. Um, four years before the movie was even made, Pal came to me and was like, "Hey, I want to make this short about these these uh, runaway serial killer couple, and they use this hammer to kill people. And I don't have more than that, but I just want to give it to you. And if it becomes something cool, and then." <laughs> Three years later, I handed them this script that combined this serious drama idea I had, uh, his idea for these characters, and uh, found a way to imagine, like, what if people from three different movies accidentally walked on the set of a slasher and kind of went from there? I like that. You can go to so many different... Like, if you told me that idea and I wrote my story about it and I didn't see your film... We'd still come up with two hopefully interesting ideas. Yeah, and and I'd say it's it's useful for any any writer to have uh, just an idea box. Uh, some people have a whiteboard. Some people have a notes document on their phone or computer. Some people have a literal stack of of postcards of just like this is a really cool idea. It doesn't fit here, but I'm gonna write it down and I'll set it here. And if I need some inspiration later or uh, something it's there uh every idea is right for something but not every uh idea is right for now yeah true and and, and one of one of the things i i want to do um is i i any, any idea i love i i want to make sure it finds the right medium i don't only want to write movies i'm currently working on multiple comics uh i am working on a novel i am you know i do want to move into tv eventually as well as features and hell maybe i'll write a poem or two (laughs) Um, i think some people get in trouble when you know they have a, a large idea and they'll try to fit it into 
you know, a screenplay or uh, something else and it, 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 they'll try to they'll fit it, fit it, fit it. And it, it won't when, you know, you could just look at it and like, oh, you know what? That's actually a comic. You know, find find your medium. Don't force it. That's yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's really important. Uh, it all stem from the idea, not, you know, what you want to do. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really hard thing to break. It, it uh, I think you one of the things about screenwriting is, that you find pretty quickly is uh, when, once you get deeper and deeper into the process, you find you have less and less control. Um, your characters if if you've you've put the thought and work behind them will start to guide the story their decisions will be made for for themselves and uh your ideas if if they don't work will not work right no that's very true in uh writing novels too Mm -hmm. um so I actually was curious, how did you end up meeting Paul, Paul Robinson? And I did look at his IMDb because I wasn't familiar with the name until you mentioned him. And holy hell, he's got <laughs> he's got a pretty long uh, 32 credits for a cinema, cinema. I can't say that word. Cinematographer. <laughs> yeah, no, he's in demand. He's an amazing DP. Uh, we were neighbors in our dorm freshman year. Oh. of college. Yeah, he lived next to me. Um and, you know, we, we lived on a, a Florida school that was specifically designated for people who were interested in film. Mm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm honestly still in contact with, you know, 20, 25 people who lived on that floor, the majority of them. Uh, there's an immense amount of talent that came out of that floor and, and from our friends. Uh, Powell's roommate uh, that year actually co-created... Um, a, a video game called Death's Gambit uh, with actually one of my uh, later roommates. And the score to it was done by Kyle Nedak, who did the score for Bastard. That's um, pretty cool. Death's Gambit's a, a fantastic uh, side-scrolling platformer. It's like uh, if Dark Souls uh, was done with pixel art. It's, yes, it's I'm hard. looking at pictures right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this, gorgeous gorgeous game it looks cool it kind uh, of and alex cubadera co-created that game and jean was pal's roommate wow uh yeah some of the pictures the screenshots it looks like some kind of uh, some kind of game set in a viking uh era yeah it it, it goes to some wild places it, it kind of fools you it, it starts off in like this kind of typical castle fantasy area and then gets it goes it gets weird and even into some uh sci-fi arenas and i think they're working on an expansion right now i'm very excited for it do you play a lot of video games um uh, yes 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 and no i uh i use video games to to kind of shut off uh Anything quick and easy, uh, Rocket League, Call of Duty, but uh, some of my favorite long-term games. Uh, I mean, I loved Alien Isolation. was was fantastic. Uh, Rhyme was a beautiful game. I like relaxing games, but 
I have I, I do I will say I, I'm very tempted to get the new Doom game, Doom Eternal. Oh, yeah. It, it looks pretty pretty kick ass and I think, you know, by no fault of my own, I'm gonna have some extra indoor time over these next couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess now's the best time to do that if you're planning on just relaxing for a while, because uh, I, I I don't buy new consoles for one very specific reason, and even if I didn't have a family, because I'm mm. I'm trying to pursue my own career with writing, um, I I wouldn't be able to write anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I've been, so when I was three, my parents bought me a Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, I'm 31, so that was in 94. So the Nintendo Entertainment System wasn't super new then, but, uh, it was new to me. And, uh, I got a 12 inch, I got a 12 inch screen with, um, with me just never being able to beat that first level. But ever since then, I've been hooked. (laughs) I, I was three, so I mean, <laughs> but I currently own an NES, a, a Nintendo Wii, and an N64, and I don't yeah. care what anyone says. And N64, man, that's that's my jam. That's the <laughs> yeah, best uh, system uh, ever. <laughs> I, uh, I was a, I was a little just a, a tick later. That I'm, 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 my heart's all for the GameCube. Oh, that's a good one too, though. Okay, yeah. so how how old are you? I'm I'm 28. I'm not too far behind you. No, but you're, it's weird for me to say. I'm only like what, five years. My math's not super great. Yeah, like five years older. But yeah, you're still young. I mean, I'm young too, but you're pretty young, and uh, that kind of that kind of says a lot too. Just um, based on on like Greenlight alone, like I appreciate that as a writer. Um, I thought, and I said it. I, I reviewed it uh, a few months ago. And I think it's <laughs> sounds like I might be kissing your ass. I'm not. <laughs> it's a film that should be kind of I feel like it's a film that should be studied in film school because it's a film about filmmaking and it's done well. And it, you can really um, you can really feel for the character. So I just I, I really appreciate all of it. The editing, the directing, the acting. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, I mean, especially younger people and especially younger people coming out of film school want to make this movie. Uh, we we all want to make movies about making movies, and <laughs> yep. and I I'm, I'm I make sure to do my due diligence and and try to watch what I'm writing. Um, and there's there's not a a ton of ones that are done terribly well. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I love movies like the, the player and for your consideration and, and, and a few more. Um, but it, it was definitely, we wanted to find that balance of reality and true experience and also not excluding anybody and not getting too uh, inside baseball with it. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll say certainly, I mean, this, this thing went through maybe 14 drafts and the, the first two or three drafts of it, um, used way too much, uh, set and insider knowledge lingo that could have isolated somebody. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of the, the final product in terms of an accessibility angle. So how 
how different did it change from those early? Besides what you just mentioned, I mean, like character development uh, wise, how, how much did it change from those early drafts to what we see on the film? Um, I'd say about 50-50. A bit 50% of what was in that first draft is is pretty much in this film. Uh, you know, not counting dialogue adjustments and everything. Um, we certainly had a different... The, the ending is what changed the most. Uh, we definitely had a different uh, opening teaser for a long while. Mm. Um, what was that like? And, oh, I'm sorry to cut you I, off, I mean, but... But could you just talk about that real quick? Because I like the in- intro. Oh yeah, no, it was just trying finding different. Uh, it, it was originally just a different genre, like it was a oh, okay a, a ghost uh, or like it started off as like a romance, like a teen romance, and then turned into a ghost story, which turned into a vampire story, kind <laughs> of. Uh, but we we wanted to, but that was all inside of a room, and you know this is a, a pretty low budget movie. Mm. I'm not afraid to say that is the kind of movie where I actually catered the film <laughs> uh, <laughs> very literally. Um, it, was, it was the kind of movie where we wanted to make sure that when we had the opportunity that we allowed ourselves a certain amount of scope and open space. Uh, and so opening the film uh, on a, a wide open desert uh, and then letting it get more and more claustrophobic as you went uh, was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. I, I like I said I like it. I thought <laughs> I thought uh, at first I was like, all right, this is weird. And then because it looked <laughs> it looked like a, it looked like what you were making it look like, but I didn't know that at first. <laughs> so I thought it was I thought it was great. Um, yeah, no, Graham Graham did Graham did a, a fantastic job in leading the audience uh, in the direction we wanted them to be. Uh, you know, it's always our goal to kind of uh, thread the line of uh, what we want you to be feeling and not let you get too far ahead of us. Um, and in terms of where the other, uh, how the script changed throughout other drafts, uh, that entire middle section, it's just all about every draft uh, tightening and tightening, making sure that the, the relationships spark and that the tension is tighter and tighter and makes logical sense. Right. Yeah, I, yeah that, I get that. Um, totally makes sense. And right there, that alone, again, is relatable because I feel like a lot of people listen to this. I could be wrong, but uh, from the people that have expressed interest in this show so far, they're in the writing uh, novel uh, area. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep bringing that up. Um, I don't mean to be <laughs> no, annoying. No. Um, yeah, so that that's similar to writing a, a novel or a short story. Um, so I actually was curious. Do you keep in touch with anyone else from production, cast, or crew? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, especially on movies like the uh, these smaller movies uh, where you all have to have each other's back, and many people are uh, wearing multiple hats. Uh, there, there are many unbreakable bonds um made and and if you have a good time then certainly i mean you want to do you want to do it again uh so of course i mean i still talk to chase i you know pal and graham and uh, many members of the the crew and cast uh we even just on release day for green light we were over at 
Caroline Williams house uh, to celebrate. Uh, she's that's fantastic. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's, and she's a, a ball of energy, man. I, I, I'm so happy that she came on board our, our little film because she just owned that role. How did that feel getting, uh, getting Carolyn? Again, it's, like I said, this is, this is a low budget movie, uh, even lower budget than bastard and bastard, uh, didn't have anyone uh, that you we could technically call a name name, uh, and so for something like this that is so, uh, I don't want to say meta, but uh, you know, kind of meta. Oh, it definitely is. I, I was gonna actually say that when <laughs> yeah, we first. It, it, it's meta, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't get self-referential. We don't have Caroline Williams quoting yeah. Chainsaw Man. <laughs> that would have been uh, funny. <laughs> but having someone. Uh, with her bit of uh, recognizability, that, that's not a word, um, in it uh, helps ground the movie uh, and helps uh, sort of put you in our shoes of, of making it. Uh, we were grateful to get uh, someone like this and Chase's character in the movie is, is grateful for this opportunity. And I, the Graham's talked about it multiple times uh in certain scenes, he, he would talk to Chase and be like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be open with you. I'm I'm a first time director and I'm, you know, there will be moments where I'm freaking out and there are going to be moments where you're supposed to be freaking out. So feel free to watch me and just <laughs> take cues and uh, act like I am. <laughs> that's, that's actually really that's in, that's intuitive right there, man. Like Graham. Yeah. He, from what I've read online, he sounds like he's a really good director already, and he doesn't come off like a a first-time director of a feature. But I guess a film about a guy trying to take on a feature for the first time is the best one for him to take on. Yeah, I think everything worked out for the best on that end. (laughs) So you uh, catered, you co-wrote it. Is there anything else that you did in this film? Uh, I think in the credits, uh, credits, I'm technically the credited first AD, uh, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I took duties over for maybe three or four days. Uh, but no, I think that, that rounds it out nicely. Oh, okay. Uh, that's pretty neat. And, um, just one note on Carolyn. I, she actually sent me an email, which I never expected after I posted my review. And I'm just bringing this up because, uh, when I first started, when I joined the horror community in the, uh, as far as like authors and whatnot goes, um, it's surprising how friendly every, like 95% of people are big names. Like Paul, like I said, Paul, Paul Tremblay, Brian Keene, Jonathan Mayberry. Um, I haven't talked to John Lagan, but I hope I do someday. And then guys like, uh, Christopher Golden, they, they're all so friendly. I mean, that's been my experience. Uh, I mean, since I mean, I wasn't a part of the horror community until Bastard came out. And, you know, we started making rounds at, you know, conventions and, and actually getting to know people and reaching out to all on, on both sides, both on the acting and directing and producing side and uh, on, on your side with the, the reviewers and critics. And I, I love this community so much. It's 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 extremely supportive and nice, which you know, from the outside, uh, you know, maybe your average 
uh, you know, 60 year old Kansas grandma is probably not thinking that the horror nuts are the nice guys, but you know what? (laughs) We've got a pretty good crew over here. (laughs) That makes me super excited. Like I love hearing that. I love when people just get together and they're like, we're all friendly. We all love doing this crazy shit. So it, Overall, yeah. has that that's been the case for other big name filmmakers that like the ones we've talked about, actors oh, and such. Absolutely, and 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 on every level, uh, we just all love what we do so much, and it, it's been a hundred percent respectful from every level, from you know the actors auditioning to you know running into James Wan and him being fine with you gushing is. <laughs> <laughs> no way talk can i can you please tell a james wan story oh i mean it's uh, i don't have a, a story i mean i was working at a, a movie theater when conjuring 2 came out okay. and, and he just he, he was going to going to showings uh and like watching crowds and I was like the only one who recognized him in the lobby. And I like came up with my dustpan and broom and was like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this is great. No, thank you so much. And he's super receptive and lovely, lovely to talk to. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to put you on the spot for The Conjuring yeah. and Insidious. Like, I'm a fan of those films. And uh, I'm just thinking about it. Um, they're fucking creepy. They're still great. I love them. The Conjuring. I'd say The Conjuring is overall more creepy, but Insidious, those scenes where it's in the other world, holy fuck. Uh, what, they, what they pulled off with that, that fucking budget, I mean, like, I mean, we're, we're low budget, but like, I mean, for a movie with, you know, Patrick Wilson and these level of scales, one and a half million dollars fucking blew the roof off. I, I love, fun fact, uh, tiptoe through the tulips, uh, uh, which comes in at the towards the end of Insidious with the mm-hmm. the red demon face. That's a uh, that's my number one karaoke song right there. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. It gets ever in that scenario. It's a massive applause every time. <laughs> that's I would never expect that, but that's really that's a fun tidbit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so speaking of low budgets, I I'm a huge fan of Rob Zombie and uh, another mask guy. By the way, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I didn't know that for the longest time, but um, he. Yeah, I don't I don't know what you guys are brewing up there, but uh, <laughs> something in the water. <laughs> but um, I love. So when I was a kid, because I one of my biggest dreams since I was a kid, and now it's just I've moved on to one to be a novelist because I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm a shitty screenwriter, so I stopped that. But uh, I have this uh, uncle that he's he's an indie actor, and um, he did some movies. He was just like extras, and one of them was uh, Celtic Pride. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of it. It was with Dan Aykroyd, and I am going to fuck his Neo, so I'm just going to say the tall guy from Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was just two guys that were obsessed with the Celtics back in the early 90s, and then they kidnapped Damon Wayans' character, and um, he, Damon Wayans is on the opposing team, so they so the Celtics can win in the playoffs. But um, Make he, a really fucked up uh, double feature with Uncut Gems. <laughs> oh, oh my god, yes. I love that movie. It's also fucking weird how Adam Sandler pulled that off so well. 
<laughs> that ending in particular is like, okay, my brain's been racing for this whole like there's this there's this part in the movie when he's just trying to control every little thing and the camera work just they nailed it. It's I need to breathe a little bit after that movie ended. Oh yeah. Oh, is both that and good time are uh little little panic attacks and <laughs> So I bring up my uncle because he gave me some great uh, lessons, and one of them was that you got to listen to the commentary tracks and films. It's free lessons, yep. and watch documentaries, also free lessons. Um, yep. Rob Zombie. So I did that with all the Rob Zombie films that I watched, and and one of them it was uh, Thirty Days in Hell for the Devil's Rejects. Oh, and, that's fantastic! Yes. Oh, such a good film. Mm. Now, you could get a, your own little film school by watching and listening to uh, making ofs of like Rob Zombie and Robert Rodriguez. Oh, I have not heard that yet. That yeah, those are two guys that know what they're talking about. Um, but long story short, uh, Zombie was basically saying that on smaller budgets, it's he, he likes that. He prefers that. It's more. It gives him more room to be creative. So. Uh, this is my roundabout way of asking you if you had your choice of any actor and any budget, what would you prefer, a smaller budget or a larger one? Well, I think it's <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's interesting because you ask me that question now, and like a big budget to me right now would be like, man, I'd have a hell of a lot of fun playing with one and a half million dollars. But you ask Sp- Steven Spielberg what a big budget to him is, and, <laughs> you know, he'd say two hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll I'll definitely say um, I, I I like certain amount of constraints, but uh, fifty thousand dollars might be a little too little. Uh, even away from a a creative standpoint, uh, you know, I, I just want to make sure people can get paid properly. Um, and I say this, yeah. And I, I say this as someone whose next movie costs, uh, you know, less than 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, so pal and I, um, you know, we've gotten a little antsy since bastard come out and we've had a lot of projects start and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, last year, uh, pal, myself, producer, um, my girlfriend, who's a terrific actress and another friend, uh, five of us total got in two cars and drove around for 12 days with two iPhones, some lenses, uh, and a 30 page outline. And we improved and shot an entire feature film. Oh, shit. Yeah. What's it, what'd you say it's called? Uh, that one's called Threshold. Dude, if if I can have the opportunity, please send me a screener. Absolutely. That. I mean, we were hoping to, uh, you know, be going out to festivals in the next two or so months, but uh, everything's sort of on pause right now. Yeah. Considering. Yeah. You... But we're we're very proud of it. It's it. It's it's insane and entirely character driven. The actors, uh, Madison West and Joey Millen, are amazing in it. Um, we're very excited to, for people to see it. it. It goes to some really weird places. Uh, you're just like hitting. You're checking off all the boxes. <laughs> I, I want to watch it right now. Um, 
Where, what was that? Sorry. Sorry, we're bouncing all over the place. Uh, give me. I'm gonna cut this part out real quick. I'm sorry, I never do this, man. Uh, you, you just. I'm very excited right now. Okay, I know what I was gonna ask you. I'm gonna cut all that awkwardness out. Um, okay. So I was curious. Uh, you said your mom's from Jersey. Um, Franklin. Your film. Oh, okay. Uh, you're a filmmaker in Los Angeles. Now, there's one filmmaker that is arguably my first it was george lucas when i was a kid obviously for star wars but then as i grew up to now my most influential filmmaker is kevin smith so i'm just curious if you are a fan of him at all absolutely uh <laughs> massive massive fan of kevin smith how can you love him grammar directors i i don't know man uh he, he i mean you want to talk about a guy who's so loving and giving to the community right uh kevin smith is one of the most open and, and giving creators, uh, that we have. Um, and I love, I go to Comic-Con every year. Um, and his, his hall H panels are, uh, whether or not I can make them are always a blast to watch. Um, I never actually watched the current, uh, or the latest film he did. Have you, have you seen that? Uh, the, the Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, yeah. Reboot. Reboot. <laughs> I, I have not, but, it just hit, I think, Amazon Prime. Uh, so I'll be queuing that up within the next week for sure. Oh, that! thank you. I didn't even realize that. Yes. Yeah, I, I might have to jump on that. Um, <laughs> so ever since uh, I met my wife and I knew she was from Jersey, I've, I've loved Kevin Smith way before I knew her. Um, I was like, I got to go to J.S.L. Bob's Secret Stash. But that's in Red Bank. <laughs> That's in Red Bank, and that's maybe an hour north of me. But still, I, I've been here five years. I need like a buddy that's into comics to go up there, man. Because I, <laughs> I just I have not gotten my ass up there. Have you gone to the one in uh, L.A.? I I have I have not I have not I need to I have uh, I have my own set of landmarks uh, that I, I'm slowly checking off. Uh, I'm L.A. certainly has a lot of them. Uh, I mean, we have the. Uh, the Halloween house out here, the Friday the Thirteenth house. We have uh, the restaurant from Reservoir Dogs, and oh, nice. Yeah, so, so I've I've got a list. I'm slowly making my way through. I um, uh, so as you know, the toy store industry is not doing so great. Uh, hasn't for a while, but in my in my town that I live in right now, there is a there is this one toy store and it's fairly small and one day i pass it and i see this big sheet taped to the right next to the entrance and says i sure you were open and i'm like that's hilarious what's up with that (laughs) and then i find i drive by it again i find all like i don't know 50 people all dressed up in different pop culture um outfits and uh eventually i found out from the owners that they shot a commercial and um the guy that plays Dante, Brian, uh, God, I'm awful with names right now. Brian O'Halloran. Yes. He, he was there. He was friends with someone that was shooting it. And uh, I, I'll i show you the quote-unquote commercial. It's not really commercial. That's why I say quote-unquote. But um, I'll show you it after we're done talking if you want. I'll send you the link. Yes, it's pr- yeah. it's, pr- it's pretty funny. Like, they got all the cars from Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. But oh, that's fantastic. It. He's played that role on a film budget that was what twenty eight thousand twenty seven. Oh, twenty. I think it was twenty seven. Uh, 
Yeah, so he's been playing that role since 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And people still want it. I don't think until the day he dies, he's not going to hear people asking to quote <laughs> that film. My personal favorite I'm is like, Clerks 2. He's okay with that. Yeah. Oh, Clerks 2 is so funny. I'm always hesitant to bring it up because it's I, it might be my favorite Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, you know, some people, you know, I, whatever, you know, it, it's crass. And it's I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's crass and it's beautiful. Yeah, and I just I think it's even darker than the first one, and it's fucking hilarious throughout the whole thing. It is. My favorite Kevin Smith film is Red State, and I don't know if a whole lot of people know about that, but have you seen that? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, yeah. what are your no, my, thoughts uh, on that? I I I I really like Red State. My my buddy uh, William Ford Conway, uh, who edited Bastard, and uh, he's an editor on Legacies now. Uh, he's he's my main Kevin Smith guy, um, and we the, the second that was out, you know, we threw it up on a projector uh, in his dorm room and, and watched and just lavished in it. It was a, I mean, it was Kevin's Kevin Smith's first real turn towards his current direction, and I don't think anybody was effect, uh, expecting it, and it's just completely deranged and probably honestly more relevant now than it was then the way shot the way just everything the tone entire the entire tone like if you say kevin smith shot and filmed that and and all that i wouldn't believe you and not that he's not capable (laughs) of it i just haven't seen anything like that if you saw what like if you you did a quadruple feature you started with clerks and jersey girl and then (laughs) Capped it off with Red State and Tusk. You would not believe <laughs> they're the same two film, like the same filmmaker. Do you want to do anything close to that as far as diversity goes? I want to. I want to do everything, man. I, but the novel I'm writing is, you know, YA fantasy. Uh, I have uh, the comic I'm writing is is a sports comic. The I have scripts I'm writing that are more akin to Jason Reitman than they are Wes Craven and. Uh, I mean, horror is my first love, and horror and thrillers where I had my opportunity now with five movies, um, and I'll never leave it. Uh, but I want I of course, I want to expand everywhere I'm able. That's awesome. I love that. And not, I'm not knocking any writer that wants to just stick to one one genre. No, if, no absolutely not. But... And, and, like, Paul, I know Paul Tremblay is not a horror writer, just a horror writer. He had plenty of books before uh, Head Full of Ghosts. But um, he's nailing it. He's just coming out with one amazing – the first book I read by him was actually his collection that came out uh, la- last year. Um, was it Grow- Growing Things? or? Yeah, yeah, it was Growing Things, and I, th- I thought it was pretty awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, but – I th- I really enjoy it when a writer because uh, I know the old rule used to be oh no you're gonna confuse the readers if you jump around but I think that's bullshit we're no it's, we're... It, no, it's, it's absolute bullshit I mean all all of our greatest I don't, I don't want to say all of our greatest artists but no all of our greatest artists have dipped into everything uh, I mean Stephen King has uh, Eye of the Dragon and Lacey's story and <laughs> yeah. Scorsese made fucking Hugo. Like, it's okay. You're allowed to do something different. 
I got uh, see. So I I'm a fan of certain fantasy. I don't. I'm not too big into all the elves and dragons and stuff because I love Lord of the Rings. Like that's one of my favorite books. The, the trilogy, the prequel, Silmarillion, and all the other ones that Tolkien wrote. Like he's the exception to the rule of keeping it to one world because he's just so fucking good at it. Yeah. But I also love C.S. Lewis, and I'm a huge fan of the Chronicles of Narnia. And I also have a uh, trilogy he put out about space. So it's it's uh, it's a big leap. Fantastic. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, there's examples everywhere. I mean, Wes Craven directed Music of, and Music and Heart. Like sometimes you just need to stretch out into something different. And that's all right. Yeah, and I'm pretty. He started out in porn too, I believe. <laughs> Uh, who didn't? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> hey, I'm not judging him. I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um. So you said you're writing a novel. You're writing comics. You get your goal is to write in television. Um. So what are you furthest along in right now, and how do you figure out what you're going to write each day? Uh. Well, right now, um, it's you know the priority is always am I on contract for something? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second uh, priority is just, you know, what's speaking me, to me today. Um, right now, I am on contract for something. Uh, and so I've got three films uh, right now that are moving forward, hopefully within the next year, uh, that I am working with the producers and getting into shooting shape. Nice. Cool. And if I didn't have those, I would be uh, working on, honestly, today, probably another horror script. Uh, I've got this, uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, have you seen uh, Starry Eyes? No. Okay, it's a, another fantastic, uh, fantastic indie horror film uh, about this actress who gets dragged into some really fucked up situations. It's actually, it'd pair very well with green light. Um, uh, but if you mix that with uh, the raid, um, I've been watching a lot of fighting movies lately and I kind of, kind of want to get in on it. <laughs> what kind of fighting movies? Uh, well, I mean, last year I, I watched, as many Shaw brothers movies as I could get my hands on. But lately I've been watching every single Scott Adkins movie that's available. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of unleashed by, uh, uh, Jet, Jet Li is stars. Of course. Okay. Oh, of course. Unleashed is amazing. As soon as you said fighting movies, I, I'm not sure everyone would jump to that one. I have a small DVD collection back when GameStop still, you know, bought them. I sold a lot of them, but I kept all my Kevin Smith ones and uh, Unleashed was one of them. I, I can't believe like more people don't know about it because I've talked about it with people and uh, people in my circle of friends and it's not known to them. I mean, maybe it is outside, but that's a good movie that's the type of story i want to write because uh, i don't really know where you would categorize it but it's just so well done mm-hmm. i mean any i mean any film with uh involves either jet lee or luke Besson, it comes pretty close to choreography porn for me so <laughs> I- <laughs> 
or any film with Morgan Freeman, you're going to know it's fucking good. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I had one other question on the subject. Do you have a dream story? Do you have a story that you can talk or would like to talk about that is a story you want to write in any form? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've already written it. My, my, I, and I don't want to give too much away, uh, cause you know, I want it to be made. Um, but my favorite thing I've ever written is a script that, uh, was inspired by Stephen King's The Raft. Um, but mine has a much bigger monster. <laughs> okay. That's All about right. as much as I could say. No, no, that's fine. That, that's really fine. Um, man, I, I really wish I knew I would have prepped a few more questions about novels, but how long have you been writing for? Because I didn't, I did not uh, know this, that you I wrote mean, novels too. I, I wanted to be a writer since, you know, first grade. Uh, I, I mean, I wrote my, I remember the first story I wrote is called the man made of food. Uh, and it was a man who was made out of food and he met a girlfriend who was made out of food. <laughs> the man made of food's dog ate the girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> that, that should have been a, a sign of where I'd go eventually. Um, and I wrote a, a really shitty novel in, uh, middle school, high school. And, uh, I wanted to be a novelist and teacher for a long, mm -hmm. long time. Uh, and then I saw, uh, Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs mm -hmm. and kind of saw just how, and Clerks, just how little you needed, uh, to make a movie. And I was like, oh, well, I've, you know, I have some friends and I have a camera, like, there's a real opportunity here for me to see my words alive. Uh, cause when I was writing, I would, you know, before that I would know that I liked what I was writing cause I could picture it and visualize it almost like a movie. And so that just slowly evolved to me just wanting to write movies. <laughs> um, and then, uh, that's ultimately what I ended up going to school for uh and as you know i fed myself more and more creatively i had more and more ideas and you know realized what i talked about earlier that not all of them should be movies or could be movies um and i found one that i, I really really loved as a novel and i'm slowly working on that congrats you know congrats on finding that because not everyone knows what they want to write for the next, like Paul Tremblay again, I've heard him say, and maybe it's changed. And I forget when I heard this interview of him, but I have heard him say that he's not sure what, uh, you know, the next story is going to be. And I, I think that's pretty insane considering how good his stories are. I, I mean, it's, I think, I think it's something that we, we all struggle with, especially, I mean, it, you, you look at someone on, pause pause level where he's you know bringing in you know legitimate income through that or someone on my level who's trying to not have a day job uh, through legitimate income you have to it, it's constantly in your head like is what i'm writing gonna help my career is what i'm writing gonna help me monetarily is what i'm writing gonna going to help my happiness uh <laughs> uh and then eventually, I mean, the goal is to just get to the point where you trust that what you are happy writing and what you want to write uh, 
will help all of those other dominoes fall. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, now, you've mentioned Stephen King a few times. Is he your favorite author? Yes. <laughs> it's, I, he's, he's been my guiding light through all of this, both uh, in terms of, of being my, my, my earliest writings uh, ripped him off profusely, both in style um, and language. Uh, uh, and I, I couldn't imagine where I'd be if I, I didn't have... Uh, the sort of direction he's given in both on writing and diversity of of books and uh, character depth. I, it's I don't know. It's it, it's hard to talk about because it's it's uh, it means a profound amount to me. That's awesome. Wow. Do you have a top three of his favorite of your favorite books by him? Uh, yeah. On, honestly, my my top two are. Uh, Gunslinger and Wizard and Glass. Um, Gunslinger is the the first novel that ever made me cry. <laughs> oh wow! Um, uh, it means uh, an immense amount to me. Wizard and Glass is the most beautiful novel I've ever read. Uh, it's it's romantic and terrifying and tragic and uh, sort of everything I want out of a uh, a novel experience. Um, and then third, honestly, and, and this isn't one that gets brought up a lot and I, I still haven't watched the adaptation. My third favorite is probably Bag of Bones. Hmm. Yeah, those are good choices. And that's a thick book. My, yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> it is. My three favorite by him are pretty thick too. Uh, it's the cliche, it and the stand. I know those are two like super pop, but they're so good. And um, the third one is a book my dad kept nagging me about, and I'm so glad he did. Eleven twenty two sixty three. Oh yeah, no oh, yeah yeah yeah. It's one definitely one of his better uh, better novels from the last two decades. Yeah, holy shit! I, mean, I, that I, book I even was enjoyed great. Uh, parts of the adaptation. I actually never watched that. I never got around to watching it. I do like James Franco. Um, are you familiar with Jack Ketchum by any chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, I today, I just finished reading my first Ketchum book, and it's The Girl Next Door. Have you, have you read That's that? kind of a, the first one that people go to. These are people either go to, like, that or off-season or... Yeah, that's the most fucked up thing I've ever read. Seen. <laughs> I think that Ketchum was a master... At his craft, he, I, I tore through that book. I'm a slow reader. It took me ten days to read that whole thing. For me, that's fast. <laughs> but it's just so, it's just so fucked up. I think the the last time I read a book that quick uh, was uh, Paul Tremblay's Head Full of Ghosts. Mm. Yeah, that's a big, that's that's a huge one, and in, in, in the indie scene especially. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's. They're trying to make that into a film. Yeah, it's, it's gone through a, a couple of different iterations uh, at this point and a couple of different directors. Uh, you know, that's that's just how movies work, man. <laughs> yeah, I got no clue besides being a fan of them. Um, so besides the books you mentioned already, I was also curious if you read any independent books, uh, indie 
published books besides uh, the bigger names that we've talked about? Uh, I mean, I'll admit not as as much as I should. I I, I have less and less days than I'd like that can be devoted to just writing uh, between. I do work a Monday through Friday job uh, and I like to stay up to date on watching what I can. And mm. so I usually stick a book by my bedside and that'll be my book for a bit. Uh, old and new. Uh, I just finished reading uh, the Foundation trilogy mm. by Isaac Asimov. <laughs> um, and then finally read Dr. Sleep. Um, but I'm always looking for recommendations to add because I've got, I mean, I used to drive a lot more before all of this um, quarantine went down. And so I used to, I, I can get through an audible, an audiobook quicker than I can a real book. Like I think my most recent audiobooks, I did, read Riley Sager's Final Girls. Okay. Which I thought was very solid. Uh, I read Adrian McKinty's The Chain, which was stressful as fuck. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you heard of that one? I haven't actually heard of that one, no. Oh, it's it's so stressful. I, it got bought for a, a huge amount uh, in Hollywood. Uh, basically, a woman's uh, daughter gets kidnapped, and she's told the only way to get her daughter back is to pay a sum of money and kidnap somebody else's child. Oh, my God. And then once you kidnap that child, your daughter comes back to you, and then you have to tell that next parent to kidnap somebody else. Uh, so it's just a really stressful chain, and I can't imagine... I'm glad I'm reading it now before I'm a parent because I'm I can only imagine it'll get worse for other people. Yeah. Uh. So I just became a dad. My son's almost four months old, and I don't know if I can read that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I I heard the suburb Serbian film. Uh, I've heard oh, what that's oh. about, like snuff videos with kids, no, and I. That's that's one of like two films I feel like just shouldn't exist, man. I, I, not a fan. <laughs> yeah, so I can I can stomach a lot, but I don't know. Maybe before I was a dad, maybe in my earlier twenties, but now nah, I'm not I'm not for that. And and it's weird because I just said I read the girl next door, and the girl was only fourteen in that, and she's still a child. Um, yeah. But it was one of those books where I had to read because it's a horror classic and Ketchum is uh, loved by pretty much everyone I know that's read him. Mm-hmm. So I had to do – I'm not going to read that book again, I don't think, ever. And I, I don't want to watch the movie, <laughs> which I know. Um, so I also just downloaded uh, – sorry. Uh, oh, I've heard it's very good. I haven't read it yet. But Matt Serafini's Under the Blade which is a, a slasher novel that I'm very excited to dig into. Oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't read that, but, uh, you know, the only slasher in my to be red pile right now is a book that came out last year through flame tree press called slash by Hunter Shea. Um, okay. it's supposed to be really good. Every, it came out in October, I believe last year. Okay. Every, every, everyone liked it. Um, I'd be more happy to, give you some recommendations after this if you want and um absolutely i don't know slash just appealed to me it starts out with the end of a massacre and it's basically a guess about and i hope i'm not fucking the synopsis up but i'm pretty sure it's <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's about the final girl and the uh the killer um so i as soon as i heard that i was like yeah i want to i want to read that 
Well, that was a, I loved, I know this is being made into a, a movie too. I, lo- I loved the core concept behind Riley Sager's Final Girls, which is, it's about these three different Final Girls who each experience their own, you know, Friday the 13th situation and then sort of come together in sort of a, a therapeutic way until one of them dies and they don't know why. What did, you said that's being turned into a film right now? Yeah. But there was also, I think there was there was a movie that was similar to it that was pretty solid as well. I can't remember what it's called. Um, so maybe it's not this one. It's about a slasher. It it, it came out in 2006, and it's uh, it's shot in two different points of view. The first one is about, um, I guess third person. It would be we're following the slasher and this film crew, eventually it leads to the point of view of the film crew's camera where they're filming uh, a serial killer. And they think it's like, you know, some guy just kind of pretty much pretending to be. He brings them to this older couple that teaches him methods of uh, breathing slower to the point where it looks like you're dead. Um, and they practice that by breathing underground. Uh, are, you talking to, uh, are you talking about Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? Nailed it. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> it's so, perfect. I've shown it to so many people. That movie I have, that's one of the DVDs I have. Like, I got a huge toad of DVDs, and that's one of them. And I I, I don't know. I've watched that like five times, I think. I I ate up the whatever the behind-the-scenes stuff they had on the um, – on the DVD, the the DVD box itself is awesome. I, I really appreciate stuff like that when they put a little extra effort into it, like a, like Apple used to do. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of random. Uh, so I know Norman Reedus is huge now after The Walking Dead, but uh, I fell in love with him as an actor when I saw him at a younger age in the first Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because they came out with, God, I don't know if it was a, I think, 10-year anniversary edition DVD. It was in this nice steel box. I still have mm-hmm. it, too. I, I love it. I love that movie. I I, I liked them in Blade 2. I like Blade 2. It's goofy. <laughs> well, Blade 2 is fantastic. Yeah, I, I just know some people aren't a huge fan of it. Oh, you know what? Nope. I'm mixing that up with the third one, Trinity. Oh, Blade Trinity with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel, right? And Patton Oswalt. <laughs> yeah. So Patton no, that's Oswalt. A, that's, uh, I call that a good FX movie. That's true. So Patton Oswalt actually talks about uh, Blade, how, I mean, uh, <laughs> doing it, Wesley Snipes, how he wanted to be referred to as Blade throughout, which is fine, but I guess he, I you okay? Yeah, no, I'm laughing. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I guess the way he did it was um, kind of weird. Like, he was a little bit too into the character. And I just picture him at home thinking he's Blade, just trying to fight vampires at night. I, I hope he's in quarantine right now, just whipping around his sword, just <laughs> having a blast. <laughs> he's a guy who would never, ever, ever want to piss off. Um, no. But there's not a shot in hell he's ever going to hear this, I hope. So... <laughs> I'm not looking to fight him. I just think it's funny for if an actor is so into their role. Um, oh, that's kind of like American Horror Story. I don't know if you're into that show, but Kathy Bates. I watched the first uh, four and a half years, and then I watched this most recent season. 
Did you see Roanoke? I did not. That was that was. I uh, didn't hear enough good things to spark my interest. Yeah, um, it had some good parts. Um, but the, the, the show kind of has the tendency to go full American Horror Story by the end. Just goes on too many tangents, and you, it kind of loses me a bit. But the first the first couple of seasons, uh, I absolutely love. Yeah, so uh, I liked Hotel. I liked that one. Did you see Hotel? Mm-hmm, I did. I did. My favorite. Very interesting uh, visually. Yeah. And to, to me, I love serial killers like a lot of us crazy Americans do. And uh, my favorite episode was Devil's Night when all the serial killers are just around the table talking. And it, it, you're getting a, a real good look into, um, like, was Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, John Wayne Gacy, uh, a bunch of the other ones. And that that creeps me the fuck out with uh jeffrey dahmer's character mm-hmm. and i've listened to his interviews and there's this one with his father and he's he's real creepy one minute and then him and his dad are just like a normal dad and son and i'm fascinated by that i'm fascinated by a serial killer that could be and that's all isn't it that they could be your your best friend or your co-worker yeah, there's been a, a couple of really solid movies uh, that have kind of touched on that recently. Uh, one of the one of the best ones I saw recently was uh, the Clove Hitch Killer. What's that about? Uh, it's it's a Dylan McDermott movie, and it's 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 like you're talking about. I mean, it's a you know a, a nice white suburban picture perfect family. Uh, you know, and then there you start. You know, there's some people missing in the area, and the mother and the son go on vacation, and you're just sitting at home with with the the super nice, perfect father, and then he suddenly starts bringing out some rope and some tape and doing some kind of fucked up stuff. Puts on a wig, and uh, it, it gets really dark, and it's it's very well performed, and is along the lines of what you're talking about. Sounds like you're describing the BTK killer. Yeah, so I'm sure part of the inspiration was from that. Yes. Have you seen Mindhunter? It's on of Netflix. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anything Fincher, I just I absorb as quick as possible. Who's your biggest influence, or do you have a uh, a few as far as filmmakers go, or or screenwriters slash directors like like Kevin Smith? Because I know there's a lot of them. I mean, I think uh, like a lot of people in my generation, uh, I was initially uh, completely inspired by uh, the indiness of like people like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Mm. Um, and as I sort of found my own style, uh, I, 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 just, I fell really deeply in love with uh, the... On the eerie and unsettling side of things, uh, so like one of my my favorite directors is uh, Lynn Ramsey. Uh, I think We Need to Talk About Kevin is one of the greatest films of all time. It's uh, completely unsettling and completely real uh, and necessary. Um, also, Mary Heron, uh, maybe one of my I, I, one of my favorite films is American Psycho and. Everything she's done recently has been fantastic as well. 
uh, Christoph Kislowski uh, and his use of color in the the three uh, the colors trilogy uh, sticks with me every single time I write. Um, I, I, I watch so much and I inundate my stuff with so much. Um, <laughs> I think I think I average uh, a film a day. I, I I am in awe constantly at the amount of uh, talent and artistry out there. Um, and I am 100% a amalgamation and collection of my inspirations. And I and I, I I like to think that it's it's not just one director uh, at the forefront of that. It's you know it's the uh, I'm inspired equally by the sounds of the kicks in a Chang Chung Shaw Brothers film as I am. Uh, the Pratt Falls in a Will Ferrell movie, you know? Mm, yeah, that that's any great artist is like that. Um, you know who I, <laughs> who I've recently discovered, but kind of knew about beforehand uh, that I fell in love with is the director Bong Joon Ho. I hope I'm oh, pronouncing yeah. that right. Yeah. So my local movie theater, they had Parasite for like three or four days and Good. my wife, my wife and I were busy, but I was like, you know what? I have to watch this in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I'm so oh, it's fucking perfect. happy. I watched that. Yes. Oh, my God. And to not spoil it for anyone that may want to watch it, this one scene at the party. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, Holy he, he has shit. a way of uh, turning a narrative on its head super quick. I mean, his movies, Memories of Murder and Mother and The Host is amazing. Uh he plays with genre, plays and blends genre uh, absolutely perfectly. Uh, if you really liked Parasite, I'd reckon, recommend a movie that came out a year earlier, uh, Burning, which right uh, uh, a Korean film starring Steve Ewan, who play he's on uh, he's in Walking Dead um, and Mayhem and uh, so many other things. Uh, he played uh, Glenn. On the Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Uh, a burning's a really just perfect obsession uh, mystery thriller. Uh, I, I think you'll, if you liked Parasite, you'll eat this up. Um, yeah. So I'm starting to, not starting. I shouldn't say that. I was gonna say I'm starting to get into foreign films, but that's so not true. Uh, I remember when Kung Fu Hustle came out. Uh, for, <laughs> that that for the longest time was my favorite foreign film it's just so good it's so funny but oh, it's a blast that's certainly one of it's super um accessible and it's especially comedies it's it's a lot it's very easy to show that to somebody uh and for them to just get it and never be bored yeah yeah um one one guy that i work with we were talking about uh they were talking about some foreign film and one of my coworkers said, yeah, I don't really like reading when I watch films. And I said to him, but you're missing out on so many good movies. And he just flat out said, I don't care. And that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's not how yeah. I feel, though, because I want to eat up as much as I can like you. Yeah, I, I, I try. I, I do my best to have a, a healthy diet of everything. There's a I mean, there's especially now with the prevalence and easy easiness of getting uh, high quality, uh, equipment. Um, it, it's 
the amount of great content we have coming from around the world is is massive. I mean, my favorite film from last year was uh, an amazing uh, Asian film, One Cut for the Dead. Okay. Uh, another great movie about uh, man, I want to I want to I want to talk about it, but just just watch One Cut for the Dead. I'm writing that down don't, right now. Don't turn it off after the first half hour. Get through it. You'll understand. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> just, just, just trust me there. Um, and then I, I watched a, a fascinating uh, Indonesian film the other day called Jalikatu, which I think is on Amazon Prime, and it's a, just a, sort of an overwhelming experience. This, this small town who they all rely on this one bull. They were right on one bull a week for all of their meat and religious practices, and it escapes. And it's just about this one village trying to track it down and getting more and more violent with each other. Sounds like it gets pretty intense. <laughs> Jalikatu. Jalikatu. How do you even spell that? J A L L I K A T T U. All right. <laughs> You know what? It looks like we're actually uh, – I think that unless you have any other things you want to talk about, we're in about an hour and a half. Um, so that's usually where I end the shows if that's all right and definitely want to make sure you have – say everything you want to say. So uh, if there's any other projects you want to talk about, please let me know. No, just please uh, – I mean if, if you're, you're stuck at home while you're listening to this, uh, take some time, rent and buy – rent or buy – uh indie horror indie film we could really use it uh right now uh and if that so happens to be either green light or bastard great <laughs> yes let it be green light fucking great <laughs> <laughs> um otherwise no just thank you for having me on and uh i don't get to i haven't done very many of these it's it's always great to connect with other 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 writers and people in the horror community uh, yeah, yeah, it was my pleasure. I was surprised when you uh, replied to me, and uh, I'm happy you did. I think that you just, as an observer, I think that you got a, a pod, like a really bright future ahead. Just Greenlight alone, because that's the only film I've seen you do so far, but that was enough for me to say, wow, this dude, Graham, Paul, and anyone else that was the first time <laughs> on that – I don't know, man. You guys got a bright future. You, you, you really stepped up to the plate on this one. Thank you. We, I mean, we 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 didn't we didn't know what kind of move what kind of exposure this movie would have. So, all the kind words mean the world to us. Yeah, Thank and uh, uh, again, I think that anyone into horror should watch this. It's not too scary. It's just good character study. Um, Pat, uh, if you could please tell us, where can we follow you? Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter, uh, at Just Young Enough, or you can just find me through Patrick R. Young. Okay, cool. Um, that's <laughs> funny. Mine's P.R. McDonough, so people better not fucking mix that up. <laughs> Pat, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate I this, and whenever you come up with something... I would love to talk to you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Patrick. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving Deadhead Space.